I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to the FT Money Show, brought to you by Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello, and welcome to the FT Money Show. I'm Richard Anderson from the Investors Chronicle. And I'm Steve Lodge from FT Money. And we'll be bringing you this week's financial lowdown in downloadable form. So, Steve, what have you got on the show this week? Well, Richard, today we have a real mixed money bag. Coming up, we ask, just why is it that we've fallen out of love with drug companies? And where now should investors be looking to find a cure for underperforming portfolios? Also, why is there so much confusion surrounding self-invested personal pensions, also known as SIPs? And should we really be listening to the government when they tell us to buy 25-year mortgages? And if you've got a subject you'd like us to tackle, you can email your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. But let's start with a look at one of the week's big news stories. A couple of weeks ago, Sterling broke through the $2 barrier, and is currently approaching 30-year highs. So, Steve, is this good news? Well, 205 to the pound must be good news for my holidays in Iowa, and similarly, it could be good news for British investors. You're getting more shares for your pounds. But surely if the currency moves out even further, as, as some spot traders are predicting, perhaps even far as 230, surely that's not good for UK investors. Well, that's the risk. In the past five years, you wouldn't have been very happy with your performance. Maybe the currency effect has knocked 40% off your returns and you've not really made anything five years, hence potentially attractive now. However, as you rightly say, if, if the currency continues heading southwards, that's going to offset any potential investment upside. Just putting currency to one side. How actually have have stock markets been doing in the US? Markets have hit record highs, that's right, and uh, that may suggest people should be a little bit cautious. However, some experts are saying the economic outlook looks pretty good in the US now, Um, and so that may be a good time to get into what, after all, is the the world's biggest stock market. Sure. And so for for UK investors who do want to to get a piece of the US action, what, uh, what should they be investing in? Well, it's a notoriously difficult market to outperform, even by those overpaid, highly paid, sorry, uh, investment professionals that we all love. Um, So some people suggest that this is a market for index tracking, either for a unit trust or OIC, or even one of those newfangled exchange-traded funds, all of which you should be able to get tracking of the market reasonably reliably for under 1%. And remember, you can get all your latest money news at ft.com forward slash money. 
Still to come in the programme, we clear up the mass confusion surrounding SIPs. And is tying yourself into a 25-year mortgage really a good idea? But first, what's gone wrong with pharma stocks? Not so long ago, pharmaceutical companies were the darling of UK investors. After all, we all get sick, so we all need drugs to cure us. But a serious dearth of new blockbuster drugs and a series of high-profile actions against some of the biggest names in the industry means that pharma stocks have come a cropper of late. Piper Terrett spoke to Navid Malik, an analyst at Colin Stewart, to find out more and to ask how best you can cure any financial ills that you may currently have. Piper Terrett spoke to Navid Malik at broker Colin Stewart to find out more. Navid, why do you think the pharmaceutical sector was popular historically with investors? The, the reason why the pharma sector was, was popular is basically because, you know, in the past, this sector has grown fairly aggressively in terms of sales and earnings. It's been a cash cow, effectively. And the reason why that growth has occurred is because, you know, it's been immune from macroeconomical issues, you know, interest rates, etc., etc. And whenever the markets are tough, and any cyclical rotation occurs, the pharma sector was seen as a safe haven in terms of d defensive natures, nature of the market. So I think that's why the pharma sector you know, has been strong historically. So why do you think it's fallen out of favour now? The, the reason why it's fallen out of favour, so there are kind of a number of arguments here. Yeah. One is the fact that generic competition has become increasingly aggressive. In other words, whether patents expire or not, um, increasingly generics are, co are targeting branded products and uh, those products may have just recently launched and that's really been hitting top line growth for some pharma companies. The second reason is that safety issues themselves have been dogging the sector and therefore people have become nervous about safety surrounding certain products. You know, Novartis, for example, recently has withdrawn one of its drugs for irritable bowel syndrome for women, and basically the withdrawal occurred because a clinical trial showed a heart attack risk really? uh, had, had risen. That's another reason. Other reasons, of course, pipeline. One of the problems we've got is that pipelines themselves are not being seen to, to be delivered. You know, new products don't get to the market. They take longer. The regulatory issues are more complicated. You know, there's not that many companies that are delivering good products, certainly for unmet medical need areas. And then finally, cost. You know, lots of people in the U.S., a lot of uh, issues surrounding top-line growth maybe around pricing and the pricing difficulties in, in the U.S. environment right now. Democrats coming in potentially next year, people don't want to pay high costs for medicines, and obviously that impacts growth as well and margins potentially for sector. So, I mean, do you think there's going to be resurgence or do you think the sector's passed its sell-by date? I'm of the fundamental view that those pharma companies that can deliver new products to the market to replace aging products, that can deliver, therefore, top-line growth, in areas of unmet need, i.e. don't just launch a Me Too product, launch a new product in a disease area where there are very few treatments available, which means not only do you get your value and volume growth, so to speak, in the market, but also you can price that product more aggressively to ensure that you get a higher return with higher margins. I mean, look at Roche Pharmaceuticals, you know, it's sort of king of the hill in oncology and its margins are getting better because it's selling higher value products in cancer in antibodies and it's you know, top 10 products are, are responsible for sort of 70% of sales simply because in the last few years those new products that have been launching have come into the oncology area so it's replacing its old products with new ones specifically in high growth areas in, in cancer and that's what's boding well for Roche. Other pharma companies can probably reflect that 
you know, going forward. So those kind of factors are going to favour well for the farm sector going forward. And those, therefore, companies that are in that space that do well will be the ones that deliver new products to the market. So besides Roche, are there any other companies that you like? We think that Shire Pharmaceuticals is, is a good company. We like it because there's two angles. One, it, again, it's a high-growth company. It's recently gone from selling only small molecules in the hyperactivity area to selling what we call biologicals or proteins into areas of unmet medical need. So Shire is a, is a good buy for us. And the other stock which we like, particularly because of its pipeline, despite the issues surrounding one of its key drugs, is Glaxo. Basically, you know, we like the pipeline that Glaxo has to offer, 31 products in late-stage development or registration, therefore could be products that get to the market quite soon. That was Navid Malik at broker Colin Stewart. Coming up, 25-year mortgages. Are they really worth it? But before that, we take a look at do-it-yourself pensions. Yes, recent research by merchant investors shows that a staggering two-thirds of financial advisors aren't even sure what assets you can hold in a SIP. And these are the very professionals whose job it is to advise you on what's the best pension for you. Another survey by Fidelity Funds Network shows that over half of investors aren't aware of the benefits that SIPs offer. So what's going on here? Richard spoke with Tom McPhail of Hargreaves Lansdowne, their resident pensions guru, to help end this mass confusion. Tom, you've come up with a, a list of SIP myths, the first of which is SIPs are only for wealthy investors. You're saying this isn't actually the case. Yeah, I think it may have been the case once, but the world's moved on, and really we wanted to highlight the fact that people's perceptions weren't necessarily keeping up. Technology improvements, investor sophistication mean that SIPs can now work for relatively small sums of money, uh, modest investments, perhaps £1,000, regular savings, £50-£100 a month. And where the SIPs don't have fixed fees, where all the costs are simply done as a percentage, they are just as efficient for these small investments as they would be for a portfolio of half a million pounds. A lot of people do perceive SIPs to be risky, but again, you're saying they don't have to be, is that right? No, and I think this is one of the important messages, that it's about investor engagement. Um, and if, if the investors are taking an interest in the management of their pension and the investment choices they're making and their risk management, then a SIP can in fact be, be lower risk than, than more traditional types of pensions where investors historically have tended to stick some money in, forget about them, come back in 30 years to see what's in the pot. Next on, on your list is SIPs are expensive to run. I mean, I know some SIP providers can charge, I think, £750 just for a, a property transaction. I mean, is it not the case that actually they are quite expensive and, and a lot of investors would be, would be better off using um, just a standard personal pension? Well, again, this was interesting, and it's certainly true there are still expensive SIPs out there. It depends what you want to use it for. And if you're looking to invest directly into the purchase of a commercial property, then you're going to pay high fees for that. But the majority of investors aren't looking for that. They're looking for primarily collective investments, unit trusts, OICs, perhaps investment trusts, some direct equities. It's interesting that if, for example, you look at tracker funds, it's possible for investors to invest into tracker funds at lower cost through a SIP than they might if they were buying in through a traditional insurance company, stakeholder plan or personal pension. There are now a number of low-cost SIPs out there in the marketplace that are competing on price directly with more traditional types of individual pension arrangement. 
IFAs recommend SIPs in order to generate high commission payments is is what you're yeah. saying. Um, you yourself, of course, work for an advisor, so how can you convince us that this isn't the case? That suggestion has been made, and again, we wanted to have the opportunity to address that. There are commission payments available on some SIPs uh, of 10 or 15% of the value of the investment. That does not of itself mean that IFAs are recommending SIPs purely for the commission. What I know some SIP companies have tried to do is facilitate the payment of fees through a SIP. I think two important points, though. One is that the accusation of mis-selling to generate commission is something that's been around for 20 years, can apply to myriad different products, from with profits, bonds, to critical illness, to, to contracting out of SERPs, and so on. And SIPs are just the net, the latest in, in a long list of these suggestions. But also, and perhaps more pertinently, an IFA recommending a SIP is going to have to work for his money. These are more sophisticated products. They do require some investment management. So an IFA recommending a SIP is going to have to work for his money probably more than he would if he simply sold a personal pension. So we just don't buy the argument that an IFA would sell a SIP just for the sake of the commission. There are obviously going to be a lot of people looking to buy SIPs and probably a little bit overwhelmed with the choice on the market. Just where should people start? I think the best place to start is to ask yourself what it is that you're looking for. Are you looking to start this process of engaging with investments? Are you looking for support in terms of investment research and advice? Are you perhaps alternatively um, an experienced trader looking to do very active trading directly into shares and traded options and so on? So work out what it is that you're looking for. Are you looking for an arrangement that will allow you to bring in lump sums? Or are you at the point of retirement and looking for a drawdown? Work out what you want, and you will find that there are a number of SIPs in different categories that fairly naturally filter themselves into meeting these different segments of the market. Look at what you want, and then look at what the SIPs are designed to do. You've got your high cost, you've got your low cost, and so on. And hopefully from there you will be able to identify those products that are most likely to meet your needs. That was Tom McPhail at Hargreaves Lansdowne. To find out more about SIPs, go to investorschronicle.co.uk. And finally today, 25-year mortgages. The government's making a lot of noise about the benefits of long-term mortgages for the stability of the housing market. But are they actually a good idea for house buyers? Elaine Moore spoke with David Hollingworth at mortgage broker London & Country to find out more. So, David, why is the government trying to promote 25-year mortgages? Uh, a very good question. I think probably one that the government perhaps could, could answer better than I, but it's all about look, trying to put some kind of stability in. There have been some concerns over those people who have taken two-year fixes a couple of years ago. When rates were that bit lower, they're coming off, they're going to find that they've got a bit of payment shock. The idea is is that if people can have longer-term fixed rates and there's more stability there and perhaps less volatility reflected in house prices. But why are they not currently popular with borrowers? Well, I mean, I think the big downside is that whilst the fix lasts for 25 years, say, in some cases, so early repayment charges, and that really limits the flexibility if you move, you can take it with you to a new property, but there's no guarantees as to what rate you'll be able to get on a top-up from that lender at that time. And indeed, there's no guarantee that that lender will even be able to satisfy your borrowing requirement when you look to move up the ladder. So it does restrict flexibility a lot. And I think most borrowers, frankly, they just can't see really beyond five years, let alone 25. 
If they did want to take out a long-term fixed-rate mortgage, what sort of deals are around at the moment? Well, the pricing actually at the moment is really quite attractive. It's very flat and similar the price to what you could get on, say, a 5 or 10-year. So 25 years, Kent Reliance Building Society at 5.98%. There's a few others, Manchester Building Society is one worthy of note at 5.99 and that only has a lock-in for 10 years. So lenders are making some efforts to improve the flexibility of these deals and the pricing at the moment is okay but I think still 10 years is a bit too long for most people. That was David Hollingworth at London and Country Mortgage Broker. For more on all aspects of financial planning visit ft.com forward slash money. And that brings us to the end of this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. And we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. The FT Money Show team and our producers, Blue Barracuda. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.